Chris's Wicked Word Nash, a place to chow down on topics relevant to writers of all kinds. Hello, and welcome to Marissa's Wicked Word Nash. I'm Marissa, and this is a weekly podcast in which I talk about a wide variety of writing-related topics. And sometimes, I do a few episodes that are related to each other, either because there's a lot to them and it seems like one episode isn't enough to do it justice, or because I pick a topic that seemingly came to me at random, but as I'm doing the research and writing the script, I get ideas for variations on that topic, or even spin-offs, kind of like you might see when a TV show or a movie is so successful that the producers or whoever it is who makes these decisions thinks, hey, if all the people watching this like this guy, maybe they'll like a show or movie about his best friend just as much, and sometimes that works. And other times, it fails. Sometimes, miserably. That's what I'm doing this week. The spin-off thing, hopefully not the failure. Um, it's pretty much a spin-off of what I talked about last week. Not that failure is always a bad thing. I said something along those lines in response to a comment I saw on Twitter a few days ago. Sometimes failure is a sign that what you're doing isn't working out and that it's time to try something new that might work for you. If you're a writer, there are a lot of ways that you can quote unquote fail in the eyes of society. For example, you might publish a much anticipated book that ends up getting terrible reviews and tanking or you may never finish a manuscript that you've been working on for months because you just couldn't get it to read like you wanted it to. But that doesn't mean you need to give up your writing dreams. Maybe by having a book that quote unquote failed to become a bestseller, you'll learn some valuable skills about marketing the next book or choosing its subject matter. And by failing to finish one manuscript, you might start a new one that you end up clicking with and finishing. Going back to the TV show example, a spin-off of a well-known show may fail to be renewed for a second season, but that doesn't mean it it's bad. Failure does not equal sucking. That's probably what I should have said. I hope this episode doesn't suck. Anyway, if you haven't listened to last week's episode yet, I talked about how much a writer should know, at least what I think anyway, not that I'm an expert, as I've said before, I don't say it at the beginning of every episode, maybe I should, but I'm not an expert in this stuff. I just write and I tutored writing for a few years. So all this is just my opinion. But I talked about how much I thought a writer should know about his or her main character. And that was inspired by some questions that I also saw on Twitter in which someone just throws a question out to the writing community asking about a characteristic of their main character often shortened to MC or one of their MC's preferences. I mentioned at one point toward the end that some of the work you do in getting to know your MC better can also be used to develop strong secondary characters and indicated that I might want to explore secondary characters in more detail at some point. Well, there's no time like the present, is there? So I'm devoting this week to secondary characters. I think strong secondary characters are extremely important in fiction because even though the story you're reading generally isn't about them, they often inspire the MC 
either in a positive or negative way, to make a much needed decision or change a harmful behavior, or to just grow as a person. As a result, although you're probably not going to want your secondary characters to upstage your MC, you also shouldn't want them to be weak or static. As much as you might love your MC, they need to be challenged, and I want to stress that such a challenge can be for a positive end, and to be more believable, that challenge should come from a powerful secondary character. So, what is a secondary character? In an article I'm including a link to in the notes for this episode called Secondary versus Minor Characters and How to Use Them, Kristen, who, sorry, I don't see a last name for Kristen, explains that, quote, secondary characters will be seen throughout the novel, end quote. And as a result, they have to, quote, have distinction, end quote. She indicates that you can make them distinct through their dialogue, by having them dress in a unique way, through their personality, and showing how they respond to events in the story, that type of thing. Minor characters, on the other hand, quote, will only play a part in your novel for a short time, whether it be to fulfill a quick task or simply fill space in a room, end quote. But that doesn't mean they have to be forgettable either. Kristen goes on to explain that minor characters need to have roles. For example, they can be the incredibly slow driver who's keeping the protagonist from reaching his or her destination on time, or maybe it's an Uber driver who tries to start up a conversation with your MC who just wants to sit in the back seat and brood. I actually had an exchange like that in my last novel, Grown Into It. But since you're only devoting a limited amount of time to them, you don't need to give them an objective independent of the MCs or a backstory, neither of which is true of secondary characters. You might think of it this way. If minor characters needed an objective or a backstory, they wouldn't really be quote-unquote minor characters, now would they? In another article I'm including a link to called Three Levels of Characters, Primary, Secondary, Tertiary, Scott Myers refers to minor characters as quote-unquote tertiary and notes that characters of this type don't even really need to have names. Although you can have a little fun in this area regardless. For example, Myers asks, quote, instead of cop number one, why not burly cop? Hooker number three, how about spandex hooker? In lieu of the generic crowd member, maybe obnoxious heckler. Those descriptors also make for a more colorful, memorable read, end quote. Anyway, a little more about secondary characters. In an article called Secondary Characters, Ruth Atkinson presents us with five archetypes of secondary characters, which is not to say that they need to fall into predictable categories. According to Atkinson, secondary characters play a vital role because they, quote, shed light on the protagonist in some way, end quote. 
just that being aware of these five archetypes can help you decide how you want your secondary characters to relate to your MC. The first archetype she mentions is the antagonist, who, quote, creates conflict for the protagonist. They impede the action, stand in the protagonist's way, interfere with their external and or internal goals, and help to move the plot forward, end quote. I'm thinking of someone like Randall Flagg in The Stand by Stephen King. Maybe that's not the best example because there really isn't a single protagonist in that book. Somewhere I saw online that Stu Redman kind of is, but there are a few. Larry Underwood uh, also can be considered a protagonist. Uh, I think probably Fran could as well. Um, but Flag certainly creates conflicts for all of them, and his existence pretty much drives the second half of the novel. He's a favorite secondary character of mine, so that's probably why I always think of him when I hear the word antagonist. So yeah, a secondary character can definitely be a villain, but he or she can also be the best friend, the second of Atkinson's archetypes, who, she says, quote, brings out the protagonist's inner world and gives them an opportunity to share their thoughts. They are also a way to show our main character in an intimate, non-sexual relationship." End quote. To give you an example, I mentioned the Nick Hornby book High Fidelity in last week's episode, and being that I'm a fan of both the book and the movie, I'm going to mention it again. Because Dick and Barry, who work at the record store with Rob, immediately came to mind. This is not to say that all of your MC's conversations with his or her best friend or friends need to be quote-unquote deep. Sometimes you can learn a lot about people, both in fiction and in real life, by observing their conversations about things like music, as the guys in High Fidelity talk about constantly. Which is why people who claim to like, quote-unquote, all kinds of music have always kind of frustrated me, but that's a topic for another podcast. Kind of similar to the best friend, I think so anyway, is the mentor, the fourth archetype Atkinson describes. Obviously, I'm not going in order here. Obviously, the mentor, according to Atkinson, quote, offers words of wisdom, encouragement, and support. They help to move the plot forward and are often a catalyst for change. They create an opportunity for the protagonist to grow internally, often via conflict initially." End quote. I would add here that the mentor doesn't have to be older, although they often are. The important thing, I think, is that the mentor is wiser, and wisdom often comes with age. A mentor could be a teacher of some sort or a guidance counselor who imparts some kind of knowledge to the MC, or your MC could have anger issues or fears, and the mentor can be someone who's been through similar circumstances and found constructive ways to work through them and channel the negative energy that they often feel. I think I see mentors and best friends as similar for these purposes because ideally they're people that the MC can trust. Although we've all seen lifetime type movies with backstabbing best friends and I have nothing to say about that right now. 
Atkinson describes two other archetypes, the first of which is the love interest. I'm sure you can think of plenty of fictional love interests off the top of your head, so I'm not going to give you any specific examples right now. But I will recommend that you remember the purpose that the love interest serves. Namely, Atkinson states that they, quote, show how our main character handles love, intimacy, sexuality, and conflict, end quote. An MC who's well-adjusted in all these areas is probably not going to be all that interesting. So if you want to keep the reader hooked, ideally, it's a good idea to challenge him or her. As a result, don't be afraid to portray the love interest as someone who may appear to be the MC's adversary early on, or who even remains that way throughout your work. Maybe he or she is a villain and your MC is trying to resist their charms, but it's so difficult. There's plenty of room for you to play around here. And finally, Atkinson describes the fool as a secondary character who helps to bring out your MC's lighter side. An MC who's intense all the time might sound appealing now, but try reading an entire book with a brooding MC and let me know, know how enjoyable that is. As Atkinson puts it, the fool creates, quote, an opportunity to illuminate how our protagonist handles funny situations, end quote. Maybe your protagonist isn't in a lot of funny situations, and the fool helps to change that. But your MC, who's normally cool, calm, and collected, messes up everything at the beginning. Something like that could be really enjoyable to read. Having discussed these five archetypes, I do want to acknowledge that it can be very easy to use types here rather than create unique secondary characters, but it can be done. I think it can help if you look at the archetypes as a place to start rather than as models that you have to follow strictly. Think about the type of relationship you want them to have with the MC. What aspects of his or her personality does your MC need to work on? And what would you like them to gain from the secondary characters? In addition, as a writer named Jen, who I also didn't find a last name for, points out in an article that I'm also including a link to called Your Novel Needs Secondary Characters, The Six Roles They Play. Secondary characters can create conflict with each other in addition to the protagonist. Think about how you want your secondary characters to interact, even though at the end of the day, what they do is going to affect the MC. For example, say your MC is a young man or woman who's never had much responsibility in their life, but then their parents unfortunately die in a car crash and the MC suddenly has to take care of their younger siblings who are constantly at each other's throats. You may want to show not only how your MC is going to take over the responsibility of raising them, but also how they deal with the constant conflict. Think about what you want that conflict to look like. Maybe the younger sister is always trying to get the MC to take her side, and the younger brother is always trying to get the MC to take his side. Who knows? I'm an only child, so I literally don't know, but I'm 
sure you can play around there. Jen also explains that your MC may not be the only one who needs secondary characters. If you have an antagonist, they're going to need some as well. Going back to the stand, that's always an easy one for me because I've read it more than once and it's one of my favorites, like High Fidelity is. Randall Flagg has Harold, Nadine, Lloyd, and Trash Can Man, to name just a few. And if you've read the book, you know that King gave most of them some amount of backstory. Most of us probably aren't going to write something anywhere near as long as The Stand, but Jen notes that it is important that your secondary characters have backstories to some extent. Also, she states that the reader will need to relate to them, which, quote, means that they aren't going to be 100% good or 100% bad, end quote. For example, Harold was one of my favorite characters when I reread The Stand a little over a year ago. Sure, he did some shady things, to put it mildly, but he also had some admirable qualities, I thought. And thanks to the backstory King gave him, it was hard for me not to feel sorry for him. I was rooting for him to realize that he had a lot to offer when he was living in the Boulder Free Zone, and I was hoping that that would keep him from joining Flag. Above all, Jen stresses that your secondary characters need to be quote-unquote autonomous, meaning that, quote, they aren't props to be used and then put on a shelf, end quote. Again, even though your secondary characters need to be there for a reason, you ideally want your readers to see them as human beings, similar to those they might have actually seen at school or work or the apartment complex where your MC lives. Your MC needs to be caught off guard every now and then and made uncomfortable, which is something predictable wooden stock characters aren't likely to do. So don't equate secondary with unimportant. They're incredibly important. And again, you may come up with secondary characters that are so strong, you can feature them in their own book or film script one day. Look at what happened with the Breaking Bad characters who were given a new life in Better Call Saul. I've heard a lot of people say Better Call Saul is actually better than Breaking Bad. And while I'm not sure I agree with them, I do think it's a great example of why you should probably put just as much effort into your secondary characters as your MC. So let me know what you think. Email me at marissadelefarfale at gmail.com and follow me on Twitter at, at marissad13 and on Instagram at www.instagram.com slash marissadf13. Also, please check out my Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash marissadf. For $1 a month, I'll mention your name in an upcoming episode, and for $3 a month, I'll not only mention you in an upcoming episode, but I'll also give you access to two bonus episodes each month, as well as previous bonus episodes. I have six bonus episodes up there now that you'll be able to unlock and listen to if you join, and I'm hoping to have a new one up within the next week. They're fun to do. I try to talk about topics that are a little different from what I discuss here on the main feed. Also, 
I'd really appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, as it'll help a lot more people find out about the show. Until next time, thanks so much for listening and for all of your support. I really appreciate all of the support and feedback you give me, and I really hope that what I talk about gives you more ideas about ways you can make your writing stronger, and also have fun doing it. That's very important. I talked last week about how strong MCs can often surprise you as the writer, and guess what? Secondary characters can surprise you too. And of course, I'm talking about the good kind of surprise here. Again, surprises are a big part of the fun of writing. So go out, have some fun. But whatever you do, stay safe. And peace out. This podcast has been brought to you by Anchor, which is the easiest way to make a podcast. Go to anchor.fm for more info.